It's the Almost Perfect Podcast. Welcome to the Almost Perfect Podcast, a celebration of fuck-ups, failures, and falling flat on your face. This is a podcast that believes you can learn from experience, but that experience doesn't have to be your own. Ha, I'm but perfect, and I'm a functional fuck-up. Let's learn from somebody else's mistakes. And today we're learning from Ebenezer Dibakwane. Now, Ebenezer is a comedian and actor who you might have seen on your TV screens. He's been in quite a lot of adverts. He's won awards. He's, you know, on the rise. And he's been on the rise for a minute now. And he's someone who's actually had quite an intense life and uh, quite an interesting career. So this chat is one of my favorites, actually. I mean, no offense to everyone else I've chatted to, but Eb and I really related a lot in this episode. Um, I don't know if a lot of people know about my religious background and that um, since I've been such like a outward atheist for quite a while now. Uh, but I did have, you know, religious teenage years and early 20s kind of vibe. And Eb had, uh, you know, a religious upbringing in general. And we get into that. We get into what it's like, you know, growing up religious, and then we get into losing faith, which we both, you know, have gone through. So, yeah, this is quite an intense conversation. In that regard, we get into a lot of stuff when it comes to religion, and in the the hardships that come when you lose your religion, you know? So, if you've been through that, I think you're going to relate a lot, and even if you've never been through that, you know, you're going to learn a lot from this. Uh, we also discussed suicide, since both of us have experience with that. So, consider this your trigger warning in that regard. Uh, we Things do get very, very dark in this conversation. Um, we talk very honestly, very openly about depression, about suicide, about our attempts on our own lives. And... You know, like, personally, I really appreciate that Eb shared what he shared on this conversation. And like I said earlier, it's because I relate so, so, so much. We really, as different as we are, um, yeah, had a lot of similarities in this conversation and share a lot of similar worldviews. And just in general, man, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. You're going to learn some things about Eb that, it's kind of common knowledge, um, especially amongst the comedians, but that, you know, you might not necessarily know about, like his experience of sleeping on the streets and, you know, just various other <laughs> issues that he's had in his life. So once again, thank you, Ebenezer, for sharing all of this, man, for being so open, for being so real and for sharing your story with all of us, because I think it's very, very important for these conversations to happen um, for people to be open about, you know, our experiences with these things, because you look at how many artists kill themselves. I mean, I've had friends kill themselves. I've, you know, <laughs> had idols kill themselves. I've had so many people that I love and admire and respect, you know, go that way. And it's also something that I've just been obsessed with my whole life. Like, there's not a day that goes by that, like, I don't you know, think about killing myself. Not in that, like, I want to do it, like, necessarily all the time, but I do consider it a hell of a lot. And, you know, that's just the way my life is, and that's just the way my brain works, and that's fine. And, you know, I hope 
I don't necessarily go that way. But like I say in this conversation, a part of me feels like there's almost like a relief, <laughs> you know, that you can at any point just tap out. But I know that's a very, very, very dark thought to a lot of people. But maybe you relate to it, you know, maybe you feel similarly. And maybe hearing other people talk about these things helps you feel a little bit less alone. Because I know that that's what this conversation did for me a lot. It very much made me feel like, holy shit, I'm actually not alone. And that's what a lot of these conversations have been. That's what this podcast has actually been for me a lot of the time. It's either learning like new things, different ways of seeing the world, different ways of approaching things, different ways of doing things, or, you know, having my own <laughs> things um, reflected back to me and showing that, you know, I'm not completely alone in this world and that the way I see things isn't, you know, just me. There are other people on similar wavelengths. So yeah, man, I've really, really enjoyed this process of uh, podcasting over the last year and a bit. We've This is episode 52, I think. It's either 52 or 53. I'll see just now when I finish this up. And yeah, man, it's I feel like it's helped me grow a lot. I feel like I've just fucking, you know, learned so much. I've become a bit more empathetic. And I hope you are also getting a lot out of these conversations. I mean, it feels like it. I get some cool feedback from people. People hit me up in the DMs, they message me and stuff, and they tell me, you know, how much these things matter to them, so I greatly appreciate that, you know, this thing is not only helping me, but helping others, and yeah, I think this conversation could help a lot of you, maybe not, maybe it might be negative for some of you, I don't really know um, where you're at in your life right now, so yeah, <laughs> we'll see how this goes, but like I say, thank you very much to Ebenezer, and thank you to you for listening to this uh, podcast. If this is your first time, uh, that's hella dope. We've got 50-something episodes in the past for you to go and check out. The last one was with uh, Mojak Lahoko, who's also just an absolutely top-tier comedian in this country. So go back and check that one out, and then go check the rest of the archives. There's so many cool people that I've had the privilege of chatting to on this podcast. So go and check that out. And if you enjoy the podcast, well, go and find us on Facebook. We are the almost perfect podcast there. We are almost underscore podcast on Twitter. And if you really like the podcast, uh, you can throw in a few shekels there. You can uh, waste some cash my way. It'd be greatly appreciated over on patreon.com forward slash almost perfect. Uh, Patreon's this platform uh, where creators basically can get paid for their work, you know, because something like this, something like podcasting and various other modes of uh, I hate the term content creation, but we'll use it for now. Uh, content creation is very hard to get paid for, you know, like unless you're working for other people. And so this is an independent thing. And I'm essentially working for you. I'm working for myself and I'm working for you. And yeah, if you enjoy this thing, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash almost perfect. You can subscribe for as little as a dollar a month, which is like 14 around a month. It's not, it's a beer. It's a dumpy. You can buy me a dumpy. That's essentially it. But you're not actually buying me a dumpy. What's happening with that money is I'm putting in a fixed deposit account. And then uh, in May that matures. And I'm going to get another microphone. I'm going to get a little bit of soundproofing. It will sound absorbing stuff for this room. And yeah, just constantly reinvest it into the podcast to keep making it better. So if you want to be a part of that, if you want to help out, uh, go to Patreon. And also, we do giveaways there. There's lots of other things you can do. Um, you can... 
you know, suggest guests, you can ask guests questions, uh, you can message me, but you can do that anyway. And if you do want to message me or you do want to say something, go to almostperfectpod at gmail.com. You can send me emails there and I'd love to read them out on this show sometime. No, but nobody's done it yet. Nobody's done it yet. But uh, if, if this moves you to the point that you want to say something, hit me up at uh, almostperfectpod at gmail.com. Other than that, you can find me on the internet. Just search Bob Perfect and you can hit me up directly if you want to. Um, so that's, that's it. That's all, all I got to say to you for now. Uh, here comes the almost perfect podcast with Ebenezer de Bacuane. So how are you living, Ebenezer? I am well, Mr. Bobini. How are you? Mr. Bobini, Mr. Bobino, Mr. You've got like, Bobino. you've got like 30 different names for me, man. It's, uh, talking on the phone, it was quite entertaining with you. Although yesterday I was in the mall and I couldn't hear shit. So oh, you were yeah. just like, I wear... <laughs> Bobby, yeah. Mr. Bob, like uh, the whole time. Bobster. Bobster, yeah, man. You're like Ebenezer, I guess there aren't that many nicknames for it. Eb. Yeah, yeah, it was just, it feels like diminutive. Yeah, I don't know if that makes sense, like, like it feels too short. I always, I always like uh, insist that when you have to at least know me, you have to at least like know me, you have to have at least chilled, like, you know what I mean, in a personal capacity for people to like shorten their name. I've just seen the whole fucking name. Okay. Like Ebenezer. Are, so, your, are your parents, um, Fans of Charles Dickens, or you know, they're fans of Jesus. Oh, okay. I don't know the Ebenezer relationship with Jesus. What's there? So it's, you know, it's a biblical name. Uh, it means so far God has been with us. What happened in the Bible was uh, Samuel had just led. Oh, so this is Old Testament. Old Testament. Okay. Yeah, I, I do have my Czech and Bible studies. I should know this, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Samuel had just led the Israelites in a battle against the what you call the Philistines. Uh, not really lead, but he was a judge, he was a presiding judge at the time. So, yeah, then afterwards, they won They won the war, and then, yeah, he went to a, a rock, and after, like, the commemorated the war, and, like, it was, like, at the end of the thing, and he's like, I'm going to call this rock Ebenezer, and you find out later that it means, so, so far, God has been with us. But some people will tell you that it means stone of hope, which it does, but it was a became that. Okay, cool. And so far, God been with you, or... Oh man, I, I mean, I'm sure he's been trying to text me, not texting back, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> he's like, but he's been around. He's leaving him on red there. Yeah, 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 he's been around, for sure, for sure. I don't know what I believe exactly, but I do believe that, like, something, I've been fortunate, you know what I mean? Okay. It hasn't been just my own skills or my own talent. I've been just fortunate. Maybe I'm likable, maybe it's not right space at the right time. But maybe there's a power somewhere that is, like, orchestrating things. I don't know. And that's so you grew up in like a religious household? Mm-hmm. I was, uh, yeah, I was like a, I used to t- teach sometimes at youth, I used to uh, teach Sunday school. Oh, snap. So that's, that definitely leads into stand-up comedy. Like a lot of comedians are essentially like pastors with a sense of humor. I imagine so. I mean, I used to use it when I went to Durban to evangelize because I lived in Chatsworth. Okay. I thought, so you know, snap, I don't know that. <laughs> I lived in excuse me guys. Uh, I lived in I lived in Chatsworth for like a year, basically on and off between Chatsworth and Margate. Evangelizing going to youth. How old were you when this happened? Eighteen. Oh snap, so you were a gap year, yeah. Okay, like I also had like not quite that, but like my teen years so I was like an atheist when I was like twelve. And then I had a nervous breakdown when I was like sixteen and went to church and found God and like literally felt like the power of God in me. Like, I understand that differently now, but at the time, it definitely got me on board. With yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
the church and the Christian stuff. And yeah, it's quite an interesting thing when you're in that space of like, let me share this thing with other people because you feel it. Like you really yeah, yeah. care. Like it's not like it's this thing of like, these other people must be like me and like, you know, they must no, no. probably the same stuff. It's like you're buying to the whole thing of like, God's love, and you want to share it with other yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, dude. You just like, yo, shit is dope. Try this shit. <laughs> I'm trying to say, like, basically, like, this is so dope. Everybody is going to try it. And you do kind of think, like, there won't be so much better because I'm going to be full of love. And then you realize your own shortcomings. Where are you now? <laughs> oh, I'm atheist as fuck now. Okay. <laughs> you backtracked. You're like, all right. Yeah, like, in my early 20s, I backtracked to it. And, like, I've been that way for a long time now. I actually, like, when I started doing comedy, it was uh, an anti-God. Like, I was the atheist comedian. It was, like, wanting to just... Like, I was very angry. I even got... Uh, there's this thing, some, like, all the comedians know about it. Um, I did a set at Splashy Fan on Easter Sunday where, like, I got brutal stage because I saw God, like, and just, like, told, like, religious jokes the whole time and just, like, was not a good O. And so, yeah, like, my, my set at Splashy Fan was this was, like, this super blasphemous, super, like, antagonistic. I even, like, because, you know, with Dave, Sh- I think it's Dave Chappelle where he does the whole, like, boo this man, like, thing, like, so I told the crowd, like, boo this man, boo me. And then some people did, other people were cheering. It was, like, one of the most raucous, like, experiences of my life. Did you say, uh, like, what did you say? You enjoyed it? You cared for it? Um, it's weird because at this point now, I definitely wouldn't do that kind of thing again. And, like, it's not what I want to do with my comedy. It's yeah. not why I want to do it. But at that time, like, yeah, I felt like pretty punk rock about it you know yeah. like i'd taken shrooms the day before i'd <laughs> yeah. just been i'd just been reading yeah. um, lenny bruce's how to talk dirty and influence people so i was like in a very like you know wanting to make a point kind of mood but these days like i just feel like you know pissing on people's beliefs isn't what i really want to do like yes i want to challenge how you think yes i yeah, want yeah. to like i want to teach people stuff with my comedy and i know that's a fuck like like ostentatious thing or maybe not ostentatious Mm, that's awesome but it's like it's this thing of like you know not every comedian wants to do that a lot of people just want to make people people laugh laugh. and i appreciate that but you know i like to talk about issues and i like to like i think it's fun to take you know things that you care about and turn them into jokes and try and get your point across but i would never do that kind of set again and i don't regret doing it because i learned from it in that yeah but I don't necessarily think I should have done it, like for the audience, oh, for yeah, yeah. for my role as a comedian. You yeah, know? yeah, like I wasn't doing the job that like I was set out to do. Sometimes, like, sometimes the thing is the thing that gets wanky. Like, oh, oh, message. If you see the thing in the scary movie, message. You know what I'm saying? It's like that's not our real purpose. But I do find that having a layer of it just makes it more int- for me personally. It makes it more interesting personally. But for your comedy. Uh, well, for my comedy, definitely. But I mean, like, when I see a comedian who's hilarious and he's saying shit that's just, that's with anything. If, if I can, if I've got a beautiful voice and my lyrics say some shit, whoa. Amen. It's, a, it's another, you know what I'm trying to say? It's, it's another Kend- layer to it. Yeah, it's Kendrick plus Puffy, you know? Like, it's like, both are great, both, like, entertain you. But exactly. one actually, like, hits harder, you know? Yeah. And, and I mean, that's like me with my, like, my favorite comedians. Like, I love people who are just funny, definitely. But like, you know, the George Carlin's, your Bo Burnham, stuff like yeah, that, yeah. you know, people who have something to say with what they're doing definitely are more my favorites. But also when you do comedy, you kind of understand that you don't get to do that all the time. Like not everyone that comes to a show is there for you. Not everyone that comes to a show is already on board 
with your personality, with your style, with your thing, because that's the thing like that we don't, when you start in comedy and you see those guys and you want to be those guys, you don't get that. Like you're just another dude on a line. Okay? Yeah. yeah. Like, to the people that are watching, the people don't, you know what I mean? And sometimes, sometimes you will not do as well as everybody else. And then after the show, someone will be like, you are my favorite because of this and that. And like, I had that on Saturday at the club. Like, it was like my least favorite sets of the ones I did like over the last week run. Like the ones before everything flowed and was cool. But the Saturday felt more like work. And like mm-hmm. I got like some big laughs out of it, but I didn't have everything hit. Mm-hmm. And still after the show, like a guy came up to me afterwards and was like, dude, you were my favorite. I love that stuff. And it's like, it's so weird how that happens sometimes. Yeah. Like, but at the same time, it's like, you know, if you got onto a bill going, you know, this is me. I'm just going to do my shit and whatever. You can fuck up a gig heavily. You can. And people will not want to book you. Yeah. I know. I always do this thing. So if I'm getting to, if I go too heavy, like if I go too deep, I'll always be like, uh, you know, look at this guy's there. like, bro, like, I came here to de-stress, motherfucker. You know what I mean? I'm sorry, sir. I'm just, I'm sad. You know what I mean? And then, you know what I mean? Like, you know, like when you try to bring them back like that. So for me, like, for instance, I need to talk. I need to talk about what I'm going through. You know what I mean? I told you, like, some of the bits, like, you know, that bitch is like, oh, man, you know, your life is fucked up when you, when you go to your therapist and your therapist your problems and your therapist is like, shit, damn it, fuck, what? No way, I need a drink, nigga. Oh, my goodness, how are you not trying to kill yourself? And then, like, uh, I am. And I feel like that, too. <laughs> right, just, whatever. Sometimes, sometimes it'll hit hard, right? Depending on whether people have enjoyed me or into what I'm saying. And other times people are like, oh, and now they're just uncomfortable, no matter what I say. So have you learned how to like lead into those things more and stuff nowadays? Yeah, yeah. It's about placing. So you yeah. do like a dumb gag, like a dumb, dumb gag, or like it's a huge love gag, and then you play something heavier there. Yeah. Like, I've, you see, I, like, I haven't played with that. Sometimes I'll open with a heavy, heavy joke just to like set the mood and then go into something completely silly. For like a little while and then go back into the heavy stuff. Yeah, but, yeah, it's like, yeah. but that's the thing. You learn how to play like with those dynamics and like also you've got you've got some time, you know, like yeah, yeah. to it's weird because like 10 minutes isn't a long time, but it also can be like you can do a lot with it. Yeah. Also, it can feel like a long time and nothing is landing right. I do like if I'm like I'm one of those people, like if I'm failing, like I'm just like I'll come, I said, short. I'm not going to do the full-time. You don't have to pay me. Like, okay, no, I, I, I always have to. I have to do the full-time. Also, I always believe that I can, you know? No, I'm I'll not. never go overtime. Because I hate those people. You know, okay, oh, yeah. I've gone overtime. They're like, no, 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 just one. If, if the crowd wants you to go overtime, then go overtime, like, by a little bit. But I hate those comedians who go overtime when... You know, like they, they've just been dying the whole time. They're, just, they're, they're just chasing it. They're, they're just chasing that just one off, you know? <laughs> and it's depressing. Depressing, dog. Coming off stage. Being a comedian, like, is one of the most fucked up jobs you can do it's because weird. the emotional highs and emotional lows that you go through in two days. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Like, it's insane. Like, I mean, also, just like, dude, it's kind of, it's a sad. It's sad, dude. It's sad. You spend most of your time doing this thing alone, trying to express it or share it with people, right? And then, basically, they can either reject you or accept you. Now, with us, we have to have that. We experience it immediately. Yes. Like, I can see someone's face. And with comedy, it's not like an, another art form where people are like, oh, I don't get it. 
people feel angry like brother don't quit your day job <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say they get angry at you bro <laughs> like they hate you and then you come off stage and everybody avoids eye contact and, and then there's always that thing where they come shake your friends and like yo Bobby Bobby you were oh, hilarious bro then yeah. they look at Ebenezer like Ebi, um, have you ever had someone tell you, you that they didn't like your comedy yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Like, yes. I, I had that like when I I was running a gig at this place out in Belito and literally this chick came up afterwards and was like telling everyone else how good they were and she was like to me like oh I didn't like this and I just said this because I was like doing cocaine jokes and stuff and like I was just like oh my god like Shit. what the I was just like you know, like, I don't come to your job and tell you how shit you are, you know, like, it's just... That's what you feel like. That's, you see, you can become kind of evil in your yeah. heart. You're like, fuck you, bitch. Fuck you, but motherfucker. It's also, like, That's what you feel like. Yeah, but it's also like, I don't need to know that. Like, go on Hello Pizza. Go fucking leave your review there. Don't come tell me to, to my, my face. face. Like, yo, man, you suck. There's yes. nothing. You are worthless. There's nothing you'll ever achieve in this game. Like, whoa. But then at the same time, it's like, I know I've made... More, like I've made other people laugh who I like, like you know, mm. like the pe- like the people who fuck with me or people who I fuck with back. So the fact that you don't like my comedy, like it hurts me right now whilst the situation's yeah, going yeah, on. Yeah. But when you walk away from it, you're like, ah, fuck that person. Yeah, yeah. But it does. Yo, what's like some of the most awkward positions comedies put you in? Uh, well, I mean, besides some doggy style, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, hey, I've had. So okay, for me the most the most awkward of them, like for, like the, amongst the the situations, is dealing with egos. Okay, uh, and, you know what I mean. Sometimes it's like your heroes. Like for instance, my third gig performing, right? I don't know, you know David Kibuka. Yes, like a legend, right? This place is shit, Lloyd. Yes, yes. Uh, I so I have a set. It's one of my like my third set, second set on stage, second time on stage. I come off at Parkers in uh, Johannesburg, forwards. And uh, he comes to me. No, everybody's congratulating hey, me. Hey, your third gig at Parkers is pretty, like, gangster. Well, it's an open spot, right? You Still. Know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, everyone's congratulating me. Like, oh, no, wow, it's nice. And I, you know, like, your eyes always go to your hero, like, just waiting for the compliment. And he's like, yeah, he still feels like you're doing jokes. <laughs> and I wanted to say, it's a fucking gig, Dave. You know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> but it's just there, like, oh, man. Just wanting to be accepted, just wanting that acceptance. That's what it's awkward. And sometimes also egos, but dealing with egos. Uh, I think not Jim Cafe, what's his name? Roastmaster? Uh, Roastmaster General. Uh, fucking Jeff Ross. Jeff Ross. He has this gag that he used to do. He's like, uh, came on a flight, uh, full of comedians. You had to go through an insecurity check. He's <laughs> <laughs> just like, so it's like, yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cause that's, that's like, that's so fucking accurate. But yeah, generally, I don't really get into two awkward positions. Um, do you think comedy has like made you be able to handle, you know, awkward situations? Maybe yeah, maybe I don't recognize them anymore. But it's always those, it's always that random person who advises you on how to or says things like, "Yeah, you should keep that," or maybe your set will do better, and you have to hold yourself from swearing at them. So, Man, sir, fuck you. <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, what, what yourself? Is- what What would you say has been awkward in your experience? Oh, I don't know, man. The 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 splashy fan said for sure was what was because what was awkward about that was it's like like it's a music festival and so this news just spread around like the festival. So I was walking around after that, and people were pointing at me and shit, and being like, "That's the guy." Like this was like my tenth gig ever, and like yeah, definitely a humbling <laughs> experience yeah, yeah, after yeah, that. Yeah. You know, it puts you in your place, but 
other than that, I don't know. Comedy, like, the, like the the awkward situations are just where it's not going well, like a lot of the time. But I've also had some amazing situations, like in like we had one show at the Winston where it was literally just the two women who came down from Joburg and stuff. They had seen like the poster online, and they were the only two people who showed up. And I was hosting, and I was like, "Fuck it, we're gonna do the gig. Whoever wants to do this gig can stay on." And that was one of my best hosting gigs ever because I was just talking to two people yeah, the whole yeah, time, yeah. making them laugh, you know, like having a good time. Everyone came and did their sets. They were an amazing audience. And it was like one of those cool experiences in comedy where you're like, this could have been so fucking it's terrible. Shit. Yes. But instead it went the other way. And then you have those other gigs where you're like, it's a packed room and like, you know, it looks like everyone there is going to be on board and then just no one. No one. Yeah, no that's the worst thing, you know what I mean? But that's why, like, and that's what I'm scared of, because, um... Aren't you used to, like, that ebb and flow now? Yes, but that's, I'm trying to say, that's what I'm kind of scared of, is that, uh, I'm becoming, I'm, I'm becoming, like, a showman. And the artistry of it, I feel, is, is a suffering. But isn't there and artistry to being a showman? There is, but I don't want to be, uh... Because that's what I know. top, you know what I'm trying to say? Sure, but that's but what I mean. Ladies and gentlemen, step on right, step on right. Step on up, step on up. You know what I'm saying? Ding, 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 But that's what I've noticed that the Joba comedians kind of have, is they've got more of that performance aspect to them. They're more of a character, because you guys learn how to develop that, you know, with the various crowds and stuff. Some Durban comedians are like that, but mostly, like, Durban comedians are definitely more laid back, and our crowds accept it. Whereas up here, it does seem like everyone is turned up a little bit when they get on stage. I feel like this, it feels like a Broadway dog. It's like that's what it feels like. It feels like you better every single time you're on stage. You it feels like you better kill. Sometimes you're forced to be in a space where you're like it's not my purpose today. I'm just working material for a cake. Yeah, I'm like, okay. That doesn't work. I'm gonna remove it. You know what I'm saying? But generally, because what happens is you kill, right? And you kill from your own unique perspective, and then the word carries like, oh god, you gotta see you see how it's wild. That's how I that's how I I did it. Then I went to Cape Town. And, that's how, then I look at the, the Keaton comics and I remember we went down the four of us myself, uh, Tabiso, Prince, and uh, I called it Suguchi and I said, uh, all four comics we drove down and I think Gavin Kelly was with us. Uh, I'm not sure, but yeah. Uh, then we drove down and I, I shit you not, dude, it was literally just us. Cause it was a typical time. I don't know when you went, it was near December, but for some reason the audiences were like, not doing well. I remember one game we got to the, the host was dying. I was an asshole. I'm just ripping into the host. Was it armchair? That was beer house. Oh, I don't know if I've done beer house. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't want to mention that guy's name. I was just <laughs> ripping on him. Like, oh. Set up punchline. Set up punchline. Jokes, nigga. Jokes. Just ripping. Like, you know what I'm saying? And like, then I'll do a joke and see. I'm like, why? Where's your notebook? Take out your fucking notebook and take notes. That's rough. <laughs> it was rough. It was terrible. I was, I was terrible, but, but I was being tongue in cheek, you know what I'm trying to say? Well, like, yeah, because also if the host is sucking, sometimes you have to throw them out of the bus yeah, to get yourself like some, like, when you do it and, you know what I mean? And then all the four Joker comics, like, we like, then the next day, I think, I did a gig. Oh, I did another gig where I was the only one of almost all the comics that killed, right? And Mitchell's play. And then I was like dissing all of the Joker comics. <laughs> I don't know why I brought these guys with me. I don't need you, but I'm being but, ironic, but, right? But the thing is, that's also, that's a technique. Yes, I'm just saying, I, but I, I was being like cheeky, I was, I, was, yeah. like, I was joking. And the next day, there was a situation where 
for some reason, I think I might have drank a you bit too much. Ass. I was the only one at the whole. And you got roasted, fuck. Gig. Yes, but all the <laughs> comics, the comics are so happy, dude. Oh, oh, the ecstatic! Oh my goodness, they didn't live it down. But how do you deal with yeah that the ebb and flow of comedy? You know that you never know if it's going to be a good night. Like, I think for me personally, my my thing is so this is one thing your improv. If the easiest way, dude. The easiest way is just to fix your improv. Like, if you can improve your improv and it's a bad night, improv generally, if it's hot, if you're just able to put a gig together, like, right there. You should, I, I don't know if you've seen Mojak do it. Oh, Mojak's incredible, dude. Right? So, even if it's difficult, because I know difficult gigs, this is a difficult gig, but if you, if you got your improv down and you know which jokes can kind of flip, slip in where and when, then what happens is that if the worst case scenario is one of those one joke, one laugh per joke crowd where... Each joke has to live on its own, which sucks. So then you, you do the first joke and then like, then they're quiet and you're like, uh, okay. And you do the next joke, Hah! you do the next joke and then there's silence. You do the next joke. Now the, it doesn't happen like the, the op, it doesn't happen the way where the jokes build and, and they build your trust. And they no, keep, yeah. but the opposite happens. When, if the joke dies, they, 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 they go back into themselves and they don't trust you. So, so that's a worst case kick. But that's why if you're improv, you'd be like, yo, sir, you I always do that. I'm like, yo, I don't understand what you want me to do, sir. What is your name? What do you do for a living? No, 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 no. Then that? they laugh. I'm like, you see, guys? I'm not funny. I don't understand. Help me, man. Man, what's, what do you think is going wrong? You know, maybe some people are being stuck up. I'm like, you see? That's the person you should turn on. And kind then, of then you put the crowd like against each other. Things like that. So most of the time. But other times, bro, just make sure your joke is infallible. That's like... So, is your jokes joke writing? So, yeah, you're all about that word economy. You're about, like, writing the joke and getting the joke. I, it has to be. I, I always feel like um, if you want to be able to go loose with something, if you want to make space for anything that might happen around it, any moment someone's shouting a heckler, you need to know exactly... How long the joke is, you need to know how many words are in it. If you do decide on the night to add a word or to swap a name out, it's because you know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. And also, depending on the type of joke that you're telling, you don't want it to be long-winded. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, because if it doesn't hurt, you've wasted a minute. You've wasted a fucking minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You better make sure. When it's a, when it's a minute joke, you better make sure. I always do the ones, my longer jokes always have to have layers. Yeah. You know I'm trying to say, and each layer has to have its own, like, fitted punchlines. There's a guy, I don't know. Yeah, you got your tags, like, throughout the joke. Yeah. I don't know if you ever watched a guy called Dusty Rich. Have I ever watched Dusty No, I'm just making, I'm just, like, I'm from Durban. Yeah, 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 right? So Dusty, he used to say, yo, bro, uh, he says what? He says, punchline per 10 seconds. It needs to, every, no, every, I think he says something like five or seven seconds, but, he used to, t- t- like, he, that's how yeah. down he had it. That was like, there has to be a laugh. No, not punchline, a laugh. Laugh, yeah. And the thing is, with him, like, it doesn't seem like it's that intentional. Yes. And that's what makes him so Th- good. That's the whole plan. That's what we all want to get to, right? I'm different. I, like, when, want- when I'm on stage, like, it's like, I'm a fucking comedian telling you jokes that I've written, you know? Like, I'm not, like, trying to, like, lie to you. Like, I'm very much, like... These are jokes, like kind of situation. No, but you want to make it look like it's unintentional. You know at, I mean? at times, like it depends. Uh, it depends on the style. Perhaps yeah. I haven't seen. You saw me once, but yeah, 
Don't you? Don't you watch any other nights? No, I wasn't inside. No, I, I motherfucker. Was, I was at the beginning. We met, and I'm like, oh man, I'm you got a mail. Okay, you and then you came back later. Yeah, it's much drinks. later. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for the tequila. I much appreciate it. Not it is, son. Yeah, just trying to get people drunk. Yeah, dude. Like, cause so I don't feel this bad about my own life. Oh, is that it? You're an enabler. <laughs> I'm an enabler. Oh man, to be clear, I don't do heroin. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should be glad I don't. Because <laughs> then you wouldn't be doing it with me. Yeah. Oh man. But so, word economy, like just getting the joke in, is your thing. So, storytelling, like, have you ventured into that at all, or do you like layer it into your sets? Yeah, it's a pose, like from time to time. I'm not like see, like a Robbie Collins is like heavy, heavy story. Yeah, like, these are stories for me. It's like you can tell it's a joke, but I always like to trick the people. You know what I mean? Into, yeah, I mean that is what comedy is. Yeah, like I, I don't want them, I don't want them to feel like you know we're together because then I can get sentimental, right? Sure. I can get sentimental about certain things. I can also connect and I can be personal. And so if it's sometimes if you do like in a one-liner, like a one-liner, it's not that it's impossible, but you find that when they, when I be personal with people, actually, you know, it's like, it feels a bit, uh, disconnected. Like, you know what I mean? With your style. Yeah. You know what I mean? With, with a Robbie Collins, a Robbie Collins can do, can be talking to his story. Like, but you know what I mean? You know what I mean? We've all had those days. We've all had those times. Come on, like. Whereas for you, that, that would be like a waste of time almost. Not necessarily. I mean, you see, that's what I'm trying to say. That it's a balance of jokes and the, the jokes. I berate the jokes, you know. Like I, I do dumb so, jokes. So that you know that you've got those jokes means you can talk around them as well. Yeah. So then, I, literally, it'll be conversation, like ten second conversation, and then gag. So uh, let's if I can make an example. Um, you see, I don't venture from a script too much, unless I'm hosting. But like, if I'm doing my like ten, like I like word for word, me almost too, exact though. same. No, I, I I like it like that, almost exact same. But what I'm trying to say is that if you know it word for word, if there is an opportunity where I'm like, man, for instance, uh, Catherine, right? If Catherine walked into a point instead of saying using my exact example, maybe I have not introduced. Um, Kia, this is using the name Kia in the joke, and I've not introduced. And then this lady does exactly, looks exactly like Kia, has the same vibe. Then because she's in the room, I can point to her. Catherine. I can point to Catherine, and let's just make the joke better. So whatever opportunity there is to make the joke better, then I'll use. But I do, I know my joke, so I know exactly like okay, da 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 da. Pause. Punch. Da 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 da. Set up. Set up for now. Leave it. Go to this joke, come back, punch that first joke, punch the second joke. Like it has to be, it ha- for me personally. And then around it. So I'm uh, thinking a stupid example. It's like, I'll uh, be like, um, uh, oh yeah, the joke is like, um, basically, um, I'm sad. And that's the crazy thing is that we don't, we don't, not a lot of talk about sadness. I can imagine how much worse it is that I'm doing it on a comedic stage. But isn't that crazy that we don't talk about like our mental health? I'm depressed. I'm not okay. I'm not okay, dude. Nah. Then that's, there's no joke in there. Not yet. Then I say, sometimes, sometimes I feel like my life story was written by Bonan, dude. Right? Like, just who the fuck is editing it? Who the f- Oh my goodness. And I try to give my life back to Jesus and he was like, I can't fucking hate this shit, dog. Try Allah, you know. So there, I've said what I needed to say. There's no, there's no real purpose. The gag is there. Yeah. I, I could have just, I could have literally just said, "I'm not okay." Sometimes I, live, I feel my life story is, but I needed but to, you say, need to say, you need to create that. 
yeah, that tension as well. That's yeah, and also be a little real with people. That's what I want. So that's what I'm saying. But if you see it, most take it's gonna be exactly like that. Like um, each time you tell it, you'll get it into that situation. Yes, and I'm like, but uh, I'll be like, isn't it crazy? I just want to be able to talk to people, and I need to, I need to, I need, to, I need it to be cathartic. I need most of those experiences to be cathartic. But how? Okay, so how do you? deal or feel with the whole repeating jokes thing because you're trying to create honest moments there you know telling people about your sadness and that but you know some days you're not fucking depressed you know yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and telling these jokes like because i know that like with my sets i also tell a lot of like personal dark stuff like mm. a lot of the time and like some crowds like fucking lap it up and like laughing at others i'm like you're allowed to laugh at this it's okay it's yeah, yeah, yeah yeah it's not your laugh that sucks it's my laugh that do you sucks. say that on stage yeah do you see you veered off you veered off the, the script, the script yes, but just because to you get needed there. to right yes. yeah and it's gonna make the show better than yeah yeah, yeah, yeah exactly yeah. but that's the thing so how do you like yeah deal with the fact that some days you're feeling great and you go to get on stage and act like you're not it's a uh, for me genuinely support because it's an overarching thing. Like genuinely, there's things that I haven't dealt with. So even when I'm feeling happy on the day, that is part of the insanity. Okay. You know what I mean? And the fact that I haven't gone and dealt with it directly. You know what I'm trying to say? And that I'm like, yo, I'm happy right now, but I'll even be like, no, today I'm happy. But well, usually, generally, you know what I mean? Like I'm a depressed person. And like, yeah, no, I had two beers. No, I'm fine now. I'm fine <laughs> right now. Yeah, it's not like alcohol is a depressant. You know what I'm trying? To, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So it's like, you know, that'll happen if, if they sold me like dancing. But sometimes when I get to the gig, it's, it's a play job. I, I was about to stand up for our audience and I realized it's fine. they can't a, see me. We've got a wide vibe here. But so. like, yeah, I'll get to the gig and then I'll make sure that like nobody sees me smile. I'm greeting everybody with like handshakes and I'm not like showing or displaying any energy at all. And I just look sad until they call my name and so I walk on stage. Like- yes, yes, yes. And I walk on stage and I'm like, I'm sorry, guys. I'm not okay. Right? So, so you the depressed comic. Is that kind of your... That's one of the sets. This is one of the sets I've had to talk about depression. It's one of my newer sets. And I've written my one man that I'm recording with Ryan, actually. It's, it's, the show's called I'm Not Okay. Oh, it does. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I can find things. But I will be. Oh, but we will be. I, I, no, I, just, I either call it that or I call it We Are Not Okay. Like, We Are Not Okay. But oh, we will be. And I just say we're not okay. And then maybe they'll think like it's even crazy. I wanted to people to know it's a depressive one. Um, but yeah, a depressing one, sorry. But yeah, we're not okay. And then at the end of the show, what I do is, um, I say, like, guys, I'm not okay. And a lot of us in this room aren't okay. I imagine like, for some like we could be. My name is Avenazid Wakwanian. I promise you, one day, that will be okay. No. I want to end my show in silence, like, or just emotional clap at the moment, then. you know. Why do you want to end the show like that? Because I'll be the first one to do it. You wouldn't, be, you wouldn't be the first. But no, I mean, not, not internationally, uh, yeah, uh, locally. Yeah. Well, do you think there's an advantage um, to being a South African comic at this time, and that you can be the first South African to like do stuff like that? Because, you know, we've had your... Like, you know, you obviously had your 80s, you know, your Mambalas and all mm. of that. But then we had the guys like your, you know, your Flismases, your Gollas, your Chris Forrests, all those cats who, you know, you had your Piermanati show into the mm. other end and stuff like that. They've led the way and they've kind of been like, you know, the South African version of American things for some of them, for others not so much. Yeah. Um, but now, like, do you feel like there's actually still like 
a lot of room in South African comedy to be the first to do stuff and to like explore like these things and you yeah. also I guess have been doing this for long enough that you're given those opportunities. Yeah, 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 yeah. definitely. So, um, for instance, I know for instance Robbie recorded his Robbie Collins a comic. So. Yeah, people. Uh, I'm pretty certain people listen to us know who Robbie is. Oh, yeah. uh, Robbie Collins recorded his one man in a small room, which I wanted to be the first South African comic. To record in a small um, room. Sydney did his in like 30, 40 seater, so. Did you see it? Yeah. He recorded it. Oh, I didn't. Yeah, he did it down at the comedy house in Cape Town. Oh. Yeah, so I think I think he might have beaten Robbie to the punch as well. Oh, no, I wanted like literally like restaurant vibes. Okay. Tiny room, but Robbie did it like tiny room. I'm thinking people on the so floor. Some revelation styles. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, but like, you see, there's a stage. I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to perform on the floor or on a slight platform. People on the, sitting on the floor and then. Like three rows on the floor, then one row on beanbags, and then some few people standing okay. in the background. Just so anyone smoking some hubbies or no, 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 I don't want anyone smoking anything. But like you know, just like that sort of vibe, you know, more conversational. And also, I do believe that it will be able to the right the type of material I'm writing. I think will be able to be pitted against, uh, you know, international shows. Almost a reference, like a Bonang reference, you know. And I always thought about like if I do my first uh, set. Like, I think you should it, definitely have localized stuff, no matter what. Definitely, yeah. Like, there, there must be stuff that the people overseas don't get. Mm. Like, there must also be stuff that people overseas get. But at the end of the day, most of your comedy, at least for a long time, will still be in South Africa. Like, yes, you can travel and stuff like that. And like, you know, what's great is guys like Luis Ogola have managed to make their stuff universal. Yeah, but yeah. But at the same yeah. time, Luis or, you know, will still do South African jokes in South Africa. Yes, like, yes, yes. And he'll find ways to make those jokes work overseas. Yeah. Like you could set up Banang earlier. Like yeah, you know, yeah. in the show you could talk about her writing a book and it's like this and like that. And then later you can bring in the depressed thing and be like, Oh, it's like my book called you can buy a banang. Mm, so mm. there's ways to also do that, you know, depending. But are you looking to travel with your comedy? Yeah, I have to. I need to do. I need. I need. I need it to be not lucrative, but I need it to at least make me enough to live. And I'm hoping that there's a yeah, time traveling's gonna make you money and not cost you money. It's gonna definitely cost me at the beginning. So that's the whole point. Is investment, you know? Yeah. Yeah, bro. Like there's because like, I know I did a set at um, Goliath Comedy Club. Um, R.I.P. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm a little salty. I never got to do it, but whatever. It was nice, but I, I feel sad for uh, you. I asked, and I'm going to be rubbing it in like the it's whole... It's fine. I, 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 I asked, but you know, some people don't value my talent as much as I do. And that's fine. Oh, man, that's unfortunate. But I do. I value my talent and I don't need anyone else to actually put me on. I didn't know. I thought you, as in, you missed it. You missed the opportunity. I didn't realize you were denied. Well, I mean, maybe I asked at the wrong times or whatever, but like, well, I mean, yeah, like they were like, oh no, it's all booked up and that's fine. Like, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. I don't know if it was a situation of you're not good enough or it was a situation no, of, I don't think so. but I mean, cause people haven't seen me, people don't know me and it's fine. Like, that's also the thing is like, I feel like as a Durban comedian, we're so disconnected from the rest of the country a lot of the time. And so people up here don't know how good you are. And then you might come up here and do one or two sets. I mean, like, I've killed Kitchener's, like, a lot, which is, like, for me, like, a point of, like, pride. Like, because Kitchener's, I didn't know it was difficult. <laughs> like, the way, like, you know, it it is. It's a difficult room when I watch other people, but I've managed to connect with that crowd really yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. And same with the box. But then, like, you know, 
the bookers aren't in that room most of the time. Of course, so yeah. they don't know how good you can be in that. So is that like, well, anyway, first get into your thing with uh, Goliath. You were there and what happened? Oh, yeah. No, no, no. So I, I, I was there and then I performed. And then some lady was like uh, from Chicago. I forget her name. Mona. Mona from Chicago was the uh, comic. And she was like, dude, you should just come. You can just get your ticket to him from Chicago. So help you. I'll do everything else. I'll drive you to gigs. I'll feed you. Holy shit. She must have really liked your comedy. And I'm trying to say, and if I can connect someone from that side, then I, I don't know like how great a comic she is necessarily. I think she was funny. I mean, I found her funny, but I mean, I don't know where she is in the scene that side. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, but just getting there. But I'm, you know what I'm trying to say? Someone, crash nice. someone from another world connects with my shit to that level. Am I making sense? Yes. So I imagine that if I can do that, dude, if I can just hustle, go there, do my hustle, obviously you need to hit I mean, New York, do all those shitty if you if you clubs. Go, oh, what do you mean shitty clubs? No, there's a lot of shitty clubs. There's only one club I want to do. In the comedy cellar. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's like, yeah, that, that's a given. But I'm saying, no, I'm saying it's like, there's a lot of, like, there's a yeah, few, yeah. like, there's, there's a few. Your open mics. But yeah, the open mics and they not that brutal. You You're there till three in the morning kind of shit. Yeah, dude, I'm, let me tell you what, every South African comic that's concerned, you outshine. That's what I hear. I hear like we're pretty good at this thing. Every like, time. Yeah, we're amazing. You know why, Doc? Because it's harder here. It's harder here. Yes, it's harder here. And our references are not the same. We all watch different television shows. Like, our variety, the variety of knowledge is like fucking, and like interest. Well, so fucking wide. Lisa wrote a dope article for Chuckle um, around this year uh, for. What was it? The fucking Edinburgh. He mm. wrote this cool article where he was saying, like, the reason why South Africans are so good is because of our references. We've got English and we've got, well, we've got British comedy and we've got American comedy and South African comedy, you know? Like, whereas Americans grow up in American comedy, the Brits grow up in British comedy, mm. you know? So we get to go travel with styles that cross over a lot. Exactly. Also, also, dude, here, you, in the night here, you perform in Santa. You perform at Kitchen is in Bromfield. Yeah, the disparity. You perform at Soweto at the end of the night. The people that you're performing to are different. Then that's what, in America, even if I have to go to Texas for like a real different, <laughs> I'm trying to say, like a different, it'll be different, but like different, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Or you can say Harlem, but then that's, you're making it like a dichotomy. You're making it a two. Black life dichotomy there. Yeah, 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 you know what I'm saying? But I'm saying there, but even there, there are certain comics like who's this guy? Uh, Robinson. I'm not sure. He's in the office. He's got an afro. He's a bit chubby. Oh, I know you're talking about now, but it's a kind of his name. Yeah, he's an alternative comic. He was an alternative comic, and he would kill both in both places with that same style. I'm trying to say. Oh yeah, he won't have to shift and switch it up for the different audiences. No. Whereas here, yeah, you do. Like you have, you have to, to present to. yourself differently. You have to like considering the room. You have to understand the power dynamics at play. Like, I mean, personally, like as a live person, I definitely get where I have to put myself above the audience and where I have to put myself below the audience based on racial de- like, mm. dynamics. Like, I will always play lower in a black room than I will in a white room. In a white room, I'll act like an Fuck arrogant. you. Exactly. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I can and because, like, I'm aware of the fact that, you know, like, yeah, the power structures at play. And that's what we deal with. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, it's yeah. like, it's like a, it's kind of frustrating, but I mean, because it's, but it it's hard to you. build a style. But that's why we're so good. That's why we can adapt. Like yeah. you watch the comedians of the world, 
Yes, there was a few good ones. The one or two Canadians were nice. Uh, May Martin was nice. The Indian dude from England was also nice. Yes, yes. Finally. Um, um, yeah, there were there were a few that like, I enjoyed, but most of them I hated because most most of them sucked. Most of them sucked, but South Africa dominated. Like the Louisos, I think especially like killed. Mm. Like yeah. uh, they were both like they were two of my faves from like the entire thing. Like. And I'm looking forward. I, like I think the rest of the world agreed. Like looking at a lot of the um, writing that came out about it. Yes, I read. Yeah, the, 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 the South Africans were like up there. <laughs> yeah, except one. But yeah, we don't mean doesn't need to. We don't need to mention bridges. I don't want to ever be quoted. You know what I'm trying to say. Uh, mm. It's fine. Only like. The comedians, I guess, listen to this podcast. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Comedians on that level don't listen to this podcast. They don't feel they they will in five years time. That's what I was saying with Mojack the other day. Yeah. Like, yeah, like you know, this is a podcast that's being done for for me and for us and for you know creatives who you know want to understand or want to feel less alone. Yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Like in this thing in South Africa. But I fully understand that the public is only going to get on board with this podcast like in a few years' time when they look back and see like, holy shit, he interviewed all these guys who, and girls who've done like all these amazing things. Because I know like we've got some amazing talent here. But unless, like even if you're on TV here, you know, people don't really recognize you. That's no. what Medinga and I were talking about, you know, like he's famous, you know, and yeah, he's yeah. a commerce, but at the same time, like, He's not like, and it's this weird, weird thing. Like, where that guy's been on American television, so yeah, where are you with that? Because you're on TV a bit, you've you've won competitions, you've got awards, you yeah, though. So, I mean, for me, the fame thing kind of scares me, you know, and I'm I'm almost glad I'm almost glad I'm not famous. The only reason why I do want like a big following on Instagram is because they pay you for the cheap, yeah, my 5,000 followers, my 4,000. Six or whatever, just those four thousand six. I was offered like fifteen k from Stake Inc. to post two stories. Nice. You know what I'm trying to say, but I didn't. I didn't get it. They went to uh, coconut curls. Not the point. No, no red <laughs> blood. But the point is, like, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. If I had just like fifteen thousand more followers, I'd have most likely gotten the gig. That's the only thing that I. But, but I'm saying at the same time, and I you're, don't want to cool with that. Like in terms of the just making money off of brands, like. You don't have any loyalty to, or like, yeah. As long as they don't miss, I mean, as long as they don't go against my values, yeah. And then like my core principles, and yeah, yeah. As long okay. as you know what I mean. What were we gonna say before that? Sorry, sorry. I interrupted you there. Yeah, yeah, no. So I'm just saying, like, that's the only thing that I kind of, you know, what I mean, would do, but would want it for. But generally, I don't like the whole thing of posting when I'm not happy, yep. and acting like I'm happy. I don't like. Uh, traveling to places I'm going to like a shitty gig in uh, Sun City for like 700 rand and like whenever I see celebrities like oh just chilling out Sun City I'm like maybe you're gonna be in like a tiny room um, why don't you post the full thing and I'm trying to say yeah the, but <sighs> trying to prove to everybody because that, that's the game that's the whole but game but I used to be more real on social media me too and I learned that people will use it against you if you tell the truth on the internet in two years' time, someone's gonna be like, "Oh yeah, you fucking burp puss." Remember this? Yeah, time? yeah, you yeah. Fucking said this shit and like exactly. And I so unfortunately, like as much as people like say like they want you to be more real on the internet, being real on the internet hurts. 
And, like, and it hurts your brand. It hurts your brand. It hurts. This is the problem. This is the problem for me with comedy. This is my issue. My issue is, is that you have to have a brand. That's my issue. Same. And and I'm talking. I'm not talking about as a you know, brand of comedy or a style. Or I'm talking about as in you. You have to market it. You have to fucking. And I'm like, you know how I used to look like, bro. I used to have like a fucking meme. Calling this. That's crazy weird. There's like this fucking Yeah, messy I, I remember. Yeah, more dreadlock to you kind yeah, of loves. Broken pieces I've got a few yeah. now. It's like messed up. It was yeah. like messed up, my beard's more like ragged generally. And I should just wear grunge and I even used to joke about it. I'm like, oh, I don't know, I don't know what you're thinking. Like, uh, didn't I pass this guy at the road? I'm like, Yes, yes, you didn't. Thank you for the five grams. Appreciate it. Preach. Preach. And I say shit and I talk about how broke I am and and then I'll be like, you know, ever been so broke that you're in a shopping in the great eye? Like, <laughs> just like looking at us. Just, just like, just, you know, one day. Let's go Sam. Let's go Sam, son. You know what I'm saying? And then, and then, and I'll be like, what I hate to coming off of the stage is like a lot of white girls, especially. It's kind of like, wow, hey, I, I really have a very crunchy look on his closet. Like, poverty, bitch. Like, I'm poor. This is not a choice, all right? It's not fashionable. But the thing about it then, as I spoke about it, then to be rated, but the was a physical story I was telling. But my dream was, and I managed my dream was to make it. And I thought, no, no I didn't make it, but I'm in, ref, in, in reference to where you were. In reference to where other comics were, and in the, by the fact that uh, I got my comics choice. Yeah. I was always one of the pro- proudest things that I got my comics choice award while, like, I just came off the streets. I was so basically. All the work that I did dirty and not looking a certain way. All of that, I did on the streets, looking the way I do. And that's what, I, what my message was at the time. Like, you can make it anyway. And then they all told me, like, nah. You actually, gotta, you, you, actually gotta, you gotta look the part. You gotta look the part. You gotta... So what do you mean by... It makes on, people feel uncomfortable. What do you mean by on the streets? You were... Like, I literally... I was on the streets and then I'd, I'd be banking. Like, I slept at a friend of mine, Tabi Somkrong, comedian. I slept at his place for a while. I slept at... But like, Again, I slept everybody else. I also slept on the streets sometimes. How did that happen? What happened there? Like, I could school and my parents were like, uh, okay, buddy, all right, big man. And, and I was like stubborn, so I was like... I'm going to make it on my own. I'm going to make it. Fuck, dude. And, I mean, you're, you're, you're making it now. <laughs> but, Slowly but surely, yeah. But what was, Like, fuck, dude. I, I genuinely can't imagine what that's like. I mean, I've I've... Slept outside like twice in my life when I ran away from my like, home, like from my mom and stuff. Like, and that's you know when I was young, and also it was literally under the building that we lived in, so it wasn't like a real experience. Like, and even that was terrifying. So, yeah. how do you do that? Um, if you were like me, who I just lost my religion, but so okay. I was an evangelist, remember? Yeah, yeah. And then everything crumbled down. I literally masturbated for the first time when I was 19. Holy shit. Um, that, wow, that, you must have shot so much cum. <laughs> yeah, 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 it was, it was <laughs> a mess. mess. That must have been a fucking It was a fire mess, <laughs> bro. Like, I couldn't, couldn't I fell. 19 I fell. Cum, <laughs> My dick, no, bro. It, it, project, it was projected. What is it? What is it? Like, yeah, I was thrusted through the air. Did you lose weight? Like, ah. <laughs> yeah! But you must have lost like two kgs that day, bro. Yeah, man, it was crazy. And my balls, I, I thought my balls were bigger than they actually were. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, yeah. But yeah, and then 
Like, you know, like, there's a lot of things that I was disillusioned about and I was heartbroken. And then I went the complete opposite way. Like, instead of, like, learning what is right and wrong for myself then, and I said, no, fuck it then. I'll, fuck it. Start having, like, a bunch of sex, you know what I mean? Which is wrong. Like, drinking every, everything, all the time. What's not wrong? I was like, fuck school. <laughs> not, these aren't moral issues. No, no, not wrong. I'm just saying, like, as in societal ills. What, what I thought was wrong. You went. So I, I went and I went and I did them in excess because yeah. I'm like, this is not, I only thought that I was wrong because of God. And if it's not, then fuck it. So then I went in better. excess. Exactly. And I drank and I did all, everything to that. Everything, everything. I just quit school. I'm like, fuck school. Why the fuck am I still in school? The only reason I even wanted to have a What's degree. high school or? The university. university. Yeah. The only reason I wanted to have a degree was because I wanted to have a family and I wanted to be responsible in that construct. I'm probably not going to have a fucking family. Yeah, I'm not. So, fuck it. I might adopt a kid, but that's about it. You know, you might adopt that way. Yeah, I know that. Morally, you know, if you heard about antinatalism. Uh, yeah, I've been on that train since I was quite young. Like That makes so much sense, yeah. Yeah, there's so many kids in this world, like, who need a home, and, like, bringing another kid into the world. Is morally wrong. That is wrong. Yeah. But I might do it anyway. To be honest, <laughs> well, by, I By accident, or...? <laughs> I don't know, man. Judging. I just think it's like a narcissistic. Uh, oh, you want your, you want your, seat. you want your seat to pass on. So, so your rebelliousness landed you on the streets, and like, were you not? I quit school. Were you not feeling like when you had to sleep on the streets, like, like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, I never, I never thought what the fuck. I only thought what the fuck am I doing if I'd only made like three hundred, and I drank it all. That's and I'm okay. like, I could have probably. Paid for you know small place or backpackers for like hundred and fifty something. So were you paying? So sleeping at people's houses and then also like when you got paid decently, you would like you yeah, know, just but, but I, I always, I always no, I never, I hardly ever uh, paid for a place to sleep. I'd always buy beers, and so you can share them with people, or so that you can also drink a bit of both. A bit of both, yeah. Still so serving like, well. You know what I'm coming through with a tough case. We have a tough, a tough pick. So that's your end for the night. <laughs> but then we drink and I'm fucked up. You know what I'm trying to say? And, you know what I mean? And then you take a shower. Because I have to leave in the morning and I get eight because they're going to... And they're going to work and, and like... you just yeah. roam around. And those are my best comedic fears. Because all I, all I could do to fight this insanity while I'm at the park was right. So you're literally like waiting for people to come back from work. And then you get on stage... And my thing was like, mm, guys, I'm, 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 I'm actually homeless, dude. Because that's the thing. People used to crack jokes about it to me. And like, I was just like, that's fucking me. Like, you know, like, you know, like they, they, they would say like, Ebony is a homeless, blah, blah, blah. And I'd be like, fucking dickheads. I was actually. And I'd even say to like, honey, like to ladies, like on stage, I'd I'd kill, kill, kill. <laughs> like, guys, this is not a joke. You know what I mean? Like, anyway, then carry on, carry on, carry on. Kill, kill, kill. Make them forget about it. Go sit at the bar. Like this closing joke was like, um, women shouldn't care about like. I mean, men sh- men men shouldn't have fucking any right to. Uh, uh, uh they have no, they should. I've understood a joke in a long time, but men should have no say in how a woman, uh, uh what you call, it, expresses herself sexually. That's disgusting. That, that's fucking weird, bro. Like, dude, mind your own dick. Like, ladies, I'm tired. And I don't want to sound like one of those mansplainers or someone who's like, you know, like a faux ally. I'm just saying. Personally, and I apologize if it comes across like that, but personally, if I was a woman, I would have all the sex I wanted. Out of all the sex, yo, dude, I'll go on a sex tour, start off in like Clegg's Dorp, go down to Cape Town, man for a while, finish off in Venda, you know what I'm saying? And I'll finish off on a bang, on a big bang, is what the line I used to say. 
So and then, <laughs> they all do so hard to remember. Yeah, but. yeah. I'm just saying, I used to finish up on the Big Bang. I saw it like a like, little of the vendor stereotype. Yeah, yeah. And then, oh, okay. I'd be like, yo, man, I'd have sex. I'd suck everybody's dick. Just to prove a point, I'd suck everybody's dick and post videos about it. I'd suck a dick anywhere in the airplane. In fact, yo, ladies, if you want to go to the toilet now and suck someone's dick, go. Go, dude. It's your business. I don't know where this is going. My name is Evan Ezeri and I'll be waiting in the toilet. Right? <laughs> yeah. Cool. Whatever. Does it ever work? Never. It <laughs> never worked. Not if I blow job. Someone, someone will be like, I'll be on the way to the toilet to go pee. I was joking, obviously. I'm going to the toilet. It's like, oh, so uh, I'll, I guess I'll see you in like three minutes. And I'm like, <laughs> are you serious? Because, no? All right. <laughs> but anyway, I'm just saying, like, you know, then they'd come to me afterwards at the bar. I'm like, are you serious about that? It was a joke. I'm like, nah, that's what I do. He's like, what plan are you going to make? I'm like, maybe I was going to try to hit up my brother. You know, you never know how a night ends. But I mean, you just sat down next to me and we're having a conversation. You might find me attractive enough to do it. And sometimes it worked. Fuck, dude, that's so true. So those random ladies gave me bedding. Sometimes out of like two, three month relationship where I'd have a place to sleep with some of these ladies. Yo, um, you know, like some woke like woman are just going to hear that and just go, fuck this motherfucker. Use a woman for a place to stay. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's what, her, like, that <laughs> is what happened, though. I'm being honest about what happened, you know? And, uh, but some of those relationships were real, you know what I mean? It's just, but it was, that was, that's what it was. It was like, for me, it was, in my mind, it was a transaction and she found me attractive. And I'll say it straight. I wouldn't. I sound like a. You provided value. <laughs> hmm? You provided value. You yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'll you, make you love. And good-looking dude. Like you know, things seem. Thank you. Thank you. For use, like you know, not a not a bad thing for a woman. So you know, that's how I was hoping. You know, and yeah. <laughs> so like a lot of that shit like happens, and then you come and you start being more comfortable, and you think about things that you can't. Like for instance, I can't walk more than two kilometers anymore. Anymore. Yes. Back then, I used to walk from. You know where Kitchen is, is in reference to yes. here. Can you see? Oh, so Melvin is over oh, there. That's like nearly 20Ks. No, no. Uh, I'd say about 7, 8, 10. Okay, I'm not referencing Joburg's fuck then. Yeah, because Melvin is like right there. I know where Melvin is. I know where Parktown is. I know yes. Where, yeah, so it's yeah. like, it's, yeah, it's not that far, but I mean, it's like 10Ks, 9Ks, I'd say. Maybe even 7. See, we used to do that a lot in Durban, walking home from like the job, but that was more just, you know, because we had spent all our money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but for me, it was like every day. Because I had nothing else to do except comedy. Um, so every day, it's, it's, uh, every so, day, I'd wake up from my who was housing me the day before, and then wake up because they have to leave, right? No this sounds like being on tour, but like... Just without the like you're living on tour in your own hometown, like essentially. But how did you get into comedy? Like, what was the thing there? Because like, so you got kicked out of home, and then okay, no, no, but I mean like doing comedy. Oh, so were you no, doing man. it already? Yes, I, 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 I done my, I did my first year t- twice before I, ch- I dropped out. So my parents love me, dude. And like the thing is, I, I know I don't even have to be homeless. I would have like if I just explained to them with patience. Just but I was just so angry at all the religion and all the lies and, and, and all the hypocrisy, way. and I was lost as well. I had no idea what I was. Because that break from religion is heavy. Dude. It's heavy. I remember it. Because you feel like betrayed. Sure. For me, that's. You feel stupid. Thought. Yeah. You feel dumb as well yourself. You're like, what the fuck? I've been, I've been preaching this shit this whole time. Yeah. And just to be clear, I'm now I'm more agnostic. So, I mean, I don't want to. You know what I mean? I'm not trying yeah. to. I just don't know. What um, other people believe is what other people believe. But, yeah. like, I know my experience with it. 
And I'm kind of grateful that I had friends that like mocked the shit out of me for some of my dumb beliefs because of like church, like, you know, mm. about the earth being like 8,000 or 6,000 years old and like stuff like that and like not believing in evolution. And, like, yes, like, are you serious? People were like, <laughs> so you, dude, I saw you. I believe the craziest thing is I believe in evolution when I was 12 and then I was like, became Christian and like, it, you're like, yeah, that's bullshit. Yeah. You didn't come from monkeys. That's the worst part about the it's religion is when. It, it, it also diminishes your, your argument. Yes. Because I said, so you think it came from monkeys? I'm like, no, it's not what that theory says. It's related. We still are related. Yeah. It's a, you know I mean? It's such a misunderstanding. And you get, like, because that's the unfortunate thing. Like, I think religion's definitely got a place in this world for people who need it. And, like, in general, people need, like, a mythical, mythological or spiritual or whatever word you want to use. Yeah. They need something other than themselves to have sort of some sort of comfort in this world because and this world is absurd as fuck. It's weird. And finding meaning in it is very difficult. And it's cool when people come and tell you, "Hey, here's some meaning." Actually, this this, this is the answer. But when it goes against the way that we know, you know, things to be, we're like uh, that can be a bit of an issue. Got a cognitive dissonance. But yeah, man, the cognitive dissonance when you like lose your religion is such a big thing. Like so uncomfortable that like, everything that you believed, you know what I mean? It's everything that you believe. And the thing is also it's the cognitive dissonance leading up to the loss. Yeah. That's the thing about religion is the cognitive dissonance. How did you deal with God knowing that you were doubting him? So I didn't I never it happened like this. I, I never doubted God. Oh god, I had it for years. So right? Yeah. So I just kind of doubted how um Strong the lines were drawn, and the, the how real the pi- that source was. Sure. So, for instance, if you know about the Council of Nicaea, you know, people yeah, decided yeah. what makes it into the Bible. So, I wasn't doubting you. I'm just saying some people might have had an how agenda. Yes, and that's exactly it. I was even talking with my mom today, like because she was bringing up Revelations and whatever, because she's still religious. I was like, out of all the books in the Bible, I should have definitely been left off. I think Revelations is number one because people have used that like. Constantly, like you look at the Black Plague, you look at like smallpox, you look at everything, you know, like Y two K, Y two K. You look at what's happening now in the world with global warming and this and that. Like you can take anything from because that's what prophecy is, you know. Like it's this thing where you say something vague and weird, and everyone else goes, "Yeah, this is what's happening." It looks exactly now. like it now. Yeah. So, but like you're saying, like that's how I felt as well. So I did my matric and Bible studies at a Christian school because I got asked to leave Glenwood and then. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to get expelled if I didn't willingly leave. Um, and then I went to a Christian school after that because I had found God and stuff. And then I didn't finish there and because I realized my matric would be worthless because it was an ACE school. Mm. And then I did my matric through uh, Danlin. And through that, I learned more what Bible studies is and how the Bible came about. And that's was very much where it started like hitting me again. That like, oh yeah, this thing is a man-written thing that's been misinterpreted, that's People voted on how the books got in there. And like, so of course it's going to create conflict. But for me, a large portion of the trick of religion is God is watching you. And he knows all your thoughts. Mm-hmm. And so if you're sitting in bed at night going, is there a God? So you the, immediately feel guilt about it. Well, I did. I of felt course. heavily guilty about the fact that I'm doubting, you know, the supreme being who knows that I'm doubting him. Yeah, yeah. No, I hear that. I would be it's like... Thought crime almost. Hmm? Thought crime, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's kind of weird. CIA shit. CIA shandies. <laughs> National security shandies. <laughs> so, for me, it was like... 
Lord, I'm struggling. So there's never like you don't exist. There's just like I'm struggling. Please just explain it to me. Like for instance, a homosexual, a homosexual going to jail. I'm like Lord, I'm struggling. Like I'm struggling. So please, I don't know. I'm struggling to understand that that gay people just for being gay, no matter. Because I I was in church with with some. Some dudes that I and it's wrong to say like it's not wrong to say but what I thought was gay and some of them came out later uh for everything gay like and but I was the like, church asked for starving them no they, the the church just they, didn't, they never admitted to it they never said they're gay so then the church can't say anything it's just a very effeminate man in that way like that's you time. have to hide that section of yourself like I, I mean I can't imagine what that experience is like Dude. but that was yeah the homophobia in church also like oh, affects me majorly what. So I was just like, because I'm mean, like, I've seen kids struggle, like, until like when they, and similar to me, and I never understood, until like, when like me, they leave home and they just go fucking around. And they, they can't go out because they're like, no, I don't want, they, they live their whole lives not wanting to want their same sex. Yeah. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Because of how and I've, I've prayed and I've gone to all sorts of healers and I've, I've done everything and he still didn't save me from it. Then I can't do this anymore. It's not something I desire. Why would you have created me if you knew? That's antinatism as well. Yeah. Talks about that is that you, you don't, you can't guarantee a happy life for a person. Exactly. That, that you can't guarantee. But what you can guarantee for every single human being is that they're going to go through some sort of pain. Whether it's mm-hmm. only physical, whether it's emotional, whether it's mental. Like. Life is suffering. Like, like, yeah. For everyone. And, yeah, I mean. Even the rich, I'm talking, I'm trying to say, even if you have a rich child. Yeah. They want to suffer through something. They, they, like, they might be privileged in their own ways, but yeah, definitely going to suffer in a lot of other ways. Like, how much philosophy do you get into? Like, as much as it's like, uh, presented to me, or like, if I read about an idea or hear someone okay. speak about, like, now, I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna go, go online and read a lot about some of the stuff that we've spoken about. Okay, so you you haven't delved too deep into like existentialism and stuff like that, or I mean, I've lived it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, yeah. that's the thing. It's not exactly. one of those things that you necessarily yeah, need to yeah. read about to know like what it's like to doubt your own fucking existence. When what reason? The other thing is like, and that's a panic of losing Christ. So losing Christ is what happens. You lose your religion, right? You you lose the fact that everything happens for a reason. Yeah. You don't you, you don't believe that anymore. That life is chaos, absurd, and painful. Like, that's all. That's all you come down to. That's what it boils down to. Yeah, this is so all if it has a reason. <laughs> then remember how you were able to cast your burdens onto Jesus, and it felt like it worked. Yes, all of those burdens come back. Um, I mean, that, but also, that's also like what like going to a shrink is like compa- like confession. Like yeah, it's yeah. There's parallels like in real life that you can use, but no, I mean casting as in like when you're praying. Oh yeah, you're like Lord, I know I did this thing, but I know you've forgiven me. So, uh, I take the guilt, the guilt is yours. And then, like, later on, you're like, nah, I was a fucking dick for doing that. Exactly. And I'm making sense. Now, all of the bad things I've done, all the people that I, rem- I realize I've dismissed, all the great friendships that I could have had, um, all the great relationships that I avoided, uh, all the things that I decided not to do. I was supposed to do drama. And but then my pastor, my pastor, no, my pastor just said, you're a teacher. Because I was a preacher. Yeah. He says, no, you're more of a teacher. And you believe it, obviously. He says, no, yeah, because he says he knows. Because God told him, or like... I think that's the kind of thing that God knows. Like he prayed over The Holy Spirit is showing me that you're, you're a teacher. You're meant to study teaching. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, like and that's in high not in high school, it's my poster. Dude, I lost I lost my, my relationship with my parents used to be great. It stopped because they were in the church, they weren't evangelizing. And I kept on saying that Christ didn't call us to, to come and play church. He said that we must follow him. We must make fishes of men. That's what the Bible says. Everybody should be an evangelist. The people are dying and you guys don't care. I said to my parents. You guys don't care that people are dying. People's souls are in peril. And you don't give you don't give a damn. Because when you believe it, it's so real to you. You don't want people going to hell. Yes. I remember that. Like being genuinely scared for other people's souls. Like, yes, yes. And this, my parents were, were Christians, hardcore. But just they were Christians in a church. And that's what irritated them. Like, what are you doing? Playing church? The church is not a building. It's a, the body of Christ. They are alienated my parents. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not making sense. Like, there's so much... I get it. I don't know if people listening will get it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Really crazy. In retrospect, it's fucking insane. But, like, at the time, it was just, like, really hectic. So, for me, even then I prayed, I was just saying, I don't understand, I don't understand this. It happened in a moment, uh, which is also, I think it was around that day when I masturbated. I was still in Durban at the time. I went back to, like, smoking now. I'd even go and steal a beer, like, from time to time. I'd go, like... Go to summer far and it'll like, be expert, like, expert all the time now. Yeah. I remember like just fucking the thought of God watching me masturbate, man. Mm. Like that fucking with me a lot. <laughs> like genuinely. Like that's yeah, the psychology of it all is now, very interesting. But now in retrospect you're like I'm not the creep one for that. Yeah. <laughs> like the cre- yeah, so, like, Look away, dude. Look away. Like isn't like interesting question, I guess. Do you still pray? Yes. Actually. It's a weird thing you can never really give up, eh? No. Like even though you know that well, you don't know that there's no God, you you're agnostic. But yeah. like even for me, like I don't necessarily pray, but I go through the same ritual of prayer. Yeah. Like where like at night like I talk to myself, like, you know, like about what I want, what's happened, stuff like that. So those are yeah, like you know, like it's something that's like, I can't shake it. It's almost like for me it's, it's, it's mostly when I'm going through like great uh parts of um gratitude. Yes. But I'm like, when everything is amazing, I'm like, oh shit, I know. But perfect. I got to chill with mm-hmm. the one we called him yesterday. I live with Tim Sumfong. I just got 10 grand for doing some damn nice shit. Um, it's a pretty good life. I've eaten today. I'm going to probably have a beer tonight. I'm going to see the love of my life. Like, I just, I just feel all those things at once. That's, that's what I, I'm, I'm breaking it down. What, what, what are the things that feel yeah. good? But in that time, in that moment, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know how to quantify. I know when I think about it, but I, in that moment, it's like, yeah, okay. that's, that's mostly. Yeah, I, I still, yeah, practicing gratitude is like something I try and do as much as possible, even though, like, yeah, like it's like, I'm not, like, I'm grateful to the universe, but, you know, I'm also, in a weird way, grateful to myself. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Through the shit, like... Yeah, dude. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm sure you feel that. Like, you've Some, spoken about depression a lot. I was like, supposed to be dead, dude, like... What are you mean? supposed to be? As in, as in I attempted, I made attempts in my life, you know what I mean? When? 2015, but... Uh, oh, wow, when I was, that's recent. So, that's when I... I lost everything, dude. I lost my God, my parents I'm talking to. I just smashed my brother's car. I just smashed my brother's Fuck. car. Yeah, yeah. And he just, and so you just feel a like car. a fucking loser. He bought, exactly. He bought me a car. And then because of the battery, he said, I just want to fix the battery first, but you can drive this battery, my small battery. And I smashed it totally. God, you must have felt like such a fucking prick. Like, just like, useless. After all of that, I, I can understand, like, that, like. And everything else, right? So it was like. Ugh. And, and I'm, I'm like, I have nothing, you know what I mean? 
but very little to show for anything. Been looking at this for some amount of time. You know what? Not 2015, 2016. That's even more fucking recent. Dude. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah. And then, yeah. I mean, when, when, when things are good and I'm chilling my brother is bought a new house, I'm chilling and, and having some of this Varosha uh, shit. I don't know. <laughs> something expensive. Yeah, that nice gym. And we polished. And we polished it. I'm chilling at his mansion. I'm here to connect and cry and, you know. So he's doing more for himself. He's doing more for himself. I'm kind of like better than I was when he, when we kind of broke our relationship, when I kind of destroyed our relationship. And I'm like, I'm so glad I didn't die with being a loser. Yeah. To him at least, you know. But I'm trying to make it up to him. That's what I feel grateful for. Fuck, to myself. You know, I'm trying yeah. to say like, okay, and you didn't just stay stagnant, like, you know. You yeah. made moves. Yeah, man. How did you get over that? Like, you know, I mean, because I, I, I did that shit when I was in my teens. So, like, I tried and, like, I'm quite grateful as well that, you know, it didn't succeed. Because, yeah, like, as much as I'm a super depressive fuckhead who is constantly thinking about killing himself, like, I also know that life's kind of, like, as much as we're talking, like, it's an absurd and it's insane and bringing, you know, kids into this world is a terrible idea. It's mean. It's still kind of beautiful, and it's still, like, the stuff that we've achieved in that, you know, like, it's nice to know that, like, yeah, like, that we've done it, like, you know, like, post that. So how did you get, you know, from that into this, you know, into the successful human being that you are today? That's how I realized I was agnostic rather than atheist, because I was an atheist. And I went as far as even saying things like, nah, like, you know, like, same things like alone even for no reason when I'm alone like I look at my dick open the port I'm like hope you're enjoying the show <laughs> like say that shit out loud to myself like you know like oh, I was yeah. like I was like I was like really like fucked up and then it was the panic after everything and I did the time thing because like now as well like I had a big fight my girl like later on in life which was like yeah, dude, if you're gonna do this thing do it stop depressing with your stories you know, either, go de- either go deal with it, you know, or do it. Kind of vibe. But this is like later on. I'm saying, but with that one, at that time, I. That does not sound like someone you need on your fucking laugh. Jesus. It was a bit of a hectic time. I was just a bit. Interested. Okay, fair enough. So, but, yeah. Uh, like, I can imagine you weren't necessarily the best person that time. No, it's kind of back home late. Were you nihilistic? I'd say, yeah. I was also, like, just sabotaging everything. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it means nothing. It means nothing. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I was like, sabotaging, come home. And she'd be like, I can't do it. I can't deal with you all the time. Just come and try. You spend no time with me. Just come home, smash. I don't recognize you. And I'd be like, I don't know, man. I want to die. I want to do this. I feel terrible. So I thought, what does it mean when you keep talking to me about our children and family and our lives together and you say this shit? That's so kind of bad. Anyway, the point is, I took pills, right? And like even after that, the nurse said the same thing that some of my friends said afterwards. Was, yeah, pose is not something to do if he's serious. Yeah. That's like cry for help things. Yeah, I feel the if same you way. To, you my take a gun, go to the top of a building. So that's the thing, like, I imagine that nowadays is that it's either the jumping off a building or just putting a gun to my head. But the way I did this was cutting my wrists. And like, I've still got the scar, and it's like I only did it once. And like, I lay in the bath and like bled a little bit. And then my mom, like, you know, found me and shit. But like, Looking back, it's like, 
pretty weak suicide attempt. <laughs> like, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Can up your games. Like, I mean, like, yeah. Like, we, we know how the human body works. Like, mm. we know our possibilities. If you say this, you live to eliminate all possibilities. And uh, I don't want anyone to put me in a suicide note, like, oh, that podcast with Bob Pimmick and the Venice <laughs> Dibabwani helped me know exactly how I want to do it. Thanks, guys. Okay, you know <laughs> yeah, please try not to. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just, just try not to. Just try not to for as long as you possibly can. Yeah, yeah. As a belief, yeah. That's, that's how I feel about it, because, okay, this is a dark fucking question, but do you think that's how you're going to die? Suicide? Yeah. No, I don't think so. Uh, I think I'm, okay. If anything, I might overdose by mistake. Like, I might go in a pinch. <laughs> and then I then, like, just do too much, too many drugs. I might be suicidal and not yeah. care, but it won't be like a gun to my head or something okay. like the Like, I can't. I, I just can't do that. And the reason mainly is because uh, it's not about whether I'm going to go to hell for it or not. For me, the God that I have, if it does, if, if God does exist, is a deity, the God I have in mind wouldn't punish me for trying to end my own pain. Yeah, that's, right? that's not, so it's not heaven or hell necessarily, but it's just also just not knowing what's out there. Okay. Freaks me out. I believe for the, for, for all, like, I believe, nah, that it's black. Yes. But even that. That's very much it's me. Like, it's also very, shit. I mean, like, it's just like, oh, fuck, then it's just off, like, I'm just off, like, the machine just switches off. But you see, for me, that's weirdly comforting. That's the thing that, like, I like about it. Except, like, I don't want to live forever. When, but, like, so I, like, lo- like, for me, it is that thing of, like, that is kind of how I think I'm going to die. Like, eventually, one day, not not necessarily because of depression, not necessarily whatever. Just, like, but, enough. Yeah, yeah like, the, the Hunter S. Thompson situation, you know, it's just like... Yeah, I've done enough, like, with my life, you know, like, and things look like they're going to get worse from here and out, so let me just tap out now. And I feel like it's almost like this nice relief that I have that, like, no matter what, I can always just go, you know what, I'm done. But at the same time, I get for other people in my life, that is not cool. Like, and so, yeah, like, I know it's a very dark thought and something like, like, but yeah, I guess you you of all people would understand like that kind of thing. And it's like it's just easier. Like it's not even just easier. It's like we you know when you're going through the deepest pits of the pain, when your heart is physically sore, when you're actually vomiting, yeah. and you're shaking from anxiety. You can't hold anything still. You are canceling plans because you don't care. Like you're like, but you're no going one, through. No one cares about me. No, so I don't like, care. Like you're like, yeah, oh, don't you fuck up your own thing. I'm like, I, I'm fucking on fire right now, dude. I don't yeah. care about your meeting. I don't care about the deal. <laughs> Like, you know, you're gonna do is like, bro, are you stupid? Are you dumb? You're what what to is me. 20 grand to me right now? Right now, bro, I'm gonna be in this room. I can survive off 1,000 for at least two weeks. I'm just gonna be in the fucking room and I can't leave. I can't go anywhere. And literally, just wake up. Let's have a little bit of water. You come out there, your skin is fucked up, your lips are chapped. You know what I'm saying? You're starved. You've lost it. Uh, you've been in bed for like a week. Yeah. You've been in bed for a week and you're like, oh my god. You're shaking, but you're physically scared. You're actually scared of going outside. And you're like, if I passed away, you know what I mean? It was going to be dope. And then, the next day, somebody phones you, comes to your place, you know what I'm saying? Brings some food, cuddles you, says, oh, but you've been here the whole time. And you're like, yeah. And they give you some 
This is worth This is okay. <laughs> this is not as bad. Now, now I stand up, I go take a shower, I shave, I make some phone calls. I'm so sorry, dude. There's still so any possibility. So would you say blowjobs are the reason why? Like you Yeah, I think yourself? consistently the universe throws blowjobs in my in my pocket. So, wait, 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 you need it. so that that that's why you're agnostic, because you're like anytime like you know, like I need it, I got a blowjob at the right time. With a meal and a cattle is like, yeah. Amazing. I just, you know what I mean? I, I don't know if it makes sense. And so, like, you're making sense to me, man. Yeah, I, I, I don't know about the people who are listening. This is going to be a fucking interesting one to yeah. hear, like, what people think about this. But, yeah, man. Yeah, because uh, since I was saying that the thing wasn't as doubt as the cognitive dissonance was leading up to, leading up to the, the this is bullshit. So, because what happens is that you like, no, man, I know for a fact that this is what love is. Or, you know, like, I have an idea about it. For me, like, I felt the power of God. Yes, yes. I I felt it in me. Me too. Like, pure ecstasy. Like, it's pure happiness. That's what I'm trying to say, is that on the one side, you're like... How do you doubt that? That's what I'm trying to say, dude. Is that on the one side, this, this, I feel love. Like, you know, like, I feel it. Like, okay, this is love. Pure happiness. Pure, like, pure happiness is love. And how I'm such a fucking better person. I don't want to lie. So that I'm not trying to avoid, like, I don't want to lie. I don't want to steal. I don't want to hurt you. It's not even about, I'm trying to be good. But then I just feel so much love. On, on the one side, no, on the one side, yeah. this God, this loving God drowned the whole world. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Those were big issues. The moral issues of, like, this is not a moral human, like, this is not a moral being. This is not, like, a being that's doing good things. Like, on the one side, I know jealousy is a negative thing. But on the other side, he admits, I'm a jealous God. This all-powerful, omnipotent yeah, being. The Testament ignores all of that, doesn't it? No, but I mean... No, but that's how people... But that's how people deal with it. Let's go to the New Testament. This guy took his son, who did nothing wrong. This is to, like, you and I, Bob, you and I have a son. Ne? And then you've got, like, five siblings. Ne? That's, our, that's, that's our first-born son. He's got five younger siblings, yeah? And our siblings need someone to pay penitence or, you know, yeah. to be a sacrifice. And you're like, to this and all of them are just fucked up and all of a sudden, you are done. We don't need you to die. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why? What the fuck? Like, not for the other kids, remember? Like, the other kids need you to die so that they can live okay lives. The whole thing of Jesus being the sacrificial lamb. I'm just saying, oh, right? It's yeah. po- so for us, the way they've translated, the way we were so crazy that we took that as a story of love. Like, oh, he took his son. No, he took another individual then. But, we, I know it's a trinity. I know it's a triune. But I know it's, it's also it's like, how much of a sacrifice is it if it's himself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just not just yeah, saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's another thing. So the cognitive dissonance for me was like, this is what I know. Because I knew God existed. Yeah. But I also knew that that's not something that is cool. Yeah, I mean, and that's what comes this is like you're like oh, okay what do I sacrifice let me sacrifice logic that happens so often like okay fuck the logic because <laughs> this happened I know I've been healed you know what I mean because like, you've got that real experience that no one can take away from you no one can ever if you've felt God in your life no one can ever take that away from you exactly. and like you have because it's an experience unlike anything else. Like, I, I, I think it's hypnosis, like, essentially. Like, that's what happens when in those situations. And you get caught up in everything. And, like, it's wonderful and it's great. But, yeah, like, then when you try and marry that to what you know about the world and to the morality of the Bible and everything like that. But for me, like, even to this day, like, I'm just like, all, like, just Jesus said it best. 
and like he had his two his two philosophies. You know, when they when they asked him, like, what are the most important commandments? And he was like, love the God, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, blah blah blah, yeah. and love thy neighbor as you love yourself. Yeah, that's it. Like, so to me, like, if you believe in God, cool. First one, two. But if you don't believe in God, just the second one's all you need in life. Like, just love thy neighbor. Just treat other people how you want to be treated, and you'll probably be okay. But the problem is that people take all the other things that we wrote because the Bible is a political book, like exactly. and it's being used in a lot of Terrible. negative ways. But uh, fuck, I'm trying to <laughs> trying to think how we're going to end this right now. How did you get into comedy? Oh yeah, because we didn't actually discuss that properly. So I've, I've, um, I've always been a funny kid. Of this is what I'll say: that the honest truth is, I've always tried to be funny. So <laughs> I've always made that attempt my whole life. So I'd say it's a school that I've been building since I was like five. Okay. But you know, did other people think you were funny? Eventually. Yeah. Was, you, know, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I like the honesty. Yeah. Because I mean, like, the things you're taking, you go home, at home is easy because like, you're a five-year-old. People love you. Everybody knows that you can't read, but then you take the Bible. And I remember turning it upside down on purpose. I can kind of see it upside down on purpose and, and trying to imitate the pastor or making up books. I remember I said, I'm like, Maybe five is too young, but maybe like six, six or something. I'm like, the book of Moses, it <laughs> says, right? Sister's laughing, having a good time. Um, this, doing this in front of girls. Which I, that, this is weird now. I just did yeah, a humping yeah, motion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm just saying, like, you know, like, like, emulating the humping, like, you know? And then, like, kickling, you know what I'm trying to say? Trying all this wanting to kick. Tickle, always wanting to make people laugh somehow, you know, imitating Jim Carrey in the mask. This is the biggest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know how to do it as well, but I know the words. Yeah. <laughs> right, he cops in front of this. Yeah, for me, it was always. Did you miss me? And then he drinks the water. Mm-hmm. And the water comes. He's like, I guess not. <laughs> like, yeah, the mask was a big fucking influence. Jim Carrey as well. And so that that was it. You're always pretending to be a funny guy, exactly. and then mixed with obviously your evangelical side and stuff like that. So I knew how to address crowds, right? I yeah. Knew because I've been I've been speaking as a school teacher from like 13, and then I did like a bit of I did like a Sunday school plays. I did drama, and we did skits with a friend of mine, Romeo Gonzalez, um, who I think is one of the most fun, hilarious human beings. Anyway, yeah. So we did skits together. We've been doing funny shit for a long time. I knew I was either going to be a comedic actor. The things as a child, I thought I was going to be a comedic actor. I thought I was going to be Jim Carrey. And then I found this thing, Chris Rock. I see him in the Chris uh, Rock special. Chris Rock is my god. They got a black eye. I said it. I said it in New York. I said yeah. it. I said it in San Francisco. I said, I said it in Johannesburg. Uh, that was Kill the Messenger, so, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I remember. Yeah. So, he, so it's like, when you see like, oh shit, I can, I can literally do that. Like standing in one oh, place. Like all over the world as well. Like, you know, there's another, there's another element. I just thought I was a funny kid. And in matric, which I don't tell often, which I feel bad about, but the secret's out. So in matric, I do my first set, actually. So nobody knows, everybody thinks my first ever set was at the pop art in May. Okay. But in 2012, I was hosting a show, and I told that three, four jokes. And it was amazing. It was very heck. So I'll tell you the first joke, the one that killed. When I stole them. No, no, no. Okay. It was like hacking, like racist, oh. self-loathing racist though. Oh. Never mind, like, okay. racist towards white people. 
Like it was, you can't be racist towards white people. Like, I'm trying to say, I, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I appreciate that you said that because of the power dynamic, we woke. Level of consciousness. It's like how you, uh, gay people can't be straightophobic. I had a joke about that, but yeah. Um, and I also like I uh, say the oh I say guys like white people like they like order too much man everything has to be ordered everything has to be calculated it's irritated everything that I talk about like when they cook you know what I mean all the time it's like okay just a pinch of salt three quarters of a spoon like black people just okay bring some more salt okay let's put in a, a tomato. All right, you know what I'm saying everything, everything. You guys have things like love calculators. What the? What are you talking about? A love calculator? You can't calculate love. That's crazy, yo. White people, you guys even when you when you when you like dance the whole time it's just like one two three <laughs> one two three. Black people, oh what? Black people, in, how can you even count? Imagine spanzola. Uh, trying to count spanzola. One two three four five six seven eight nine. Good comes of that nine. Ah, 10, 11, 12, that was a punchline. And I suggested that the black guy can't count. He had to. That was, but it killed! And so whenever I see someone doing black and white jokes now, I'm just yeah, like, they still kill. Yeah, they still kill, yeah. When I see someone doing black and white jokes now, I'm just like, you can't sit at my table. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so One day, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying, you know what I mean? Like, I can't, I can't, sh- I can't break bread with you because, and I don't mean just talking about what the differences that you've noticed, you know what I'm saying? I'm talking about especially when you make the person of color like the part of the joke. That's yeah. such, if not for tells, anything else. It tells else, us how you see the world. If not for anything else, it's just been done. If not for anything else, if you don't, if you're a racist person, cool. But at least like. Well, actually, how do you deal with that? Um dynamic in comedy the fact that we don't always you know say what we mean but at the same time like you know like there's funny jokes that are based on race and stuff but you know when does it venture into racist territory when is it you know like truth like about stereotypes and stuff like that how do you manage those like you know dynamics i would say i would say for me when i'm talking about my own personal experience if the joke is not about so that racing is is, yes it's just a frame if that black and white you saying about it and you, you're framing, like cool. And like for instance, if like someone's like, "Yo, guys, I didn't realize I was racist until like cause I, was, I was driving from home and then I drove into Soweto and uh, I I forced myself not to lock the doors, but I was so thankful when my racist uncle did. That's cool. Kind of vibe. I'm making up the joke now. You yeah, know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, That's actually pretty good, like, off the top of your head. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, what is your intention? For me, whenever the black person or the person of color is the part of the joke, it's just like... And also, when if, and I can tell that you haven't researched this thing, actually. Yeah. And yeah. that's that's a problem with a lot of new comedians. They come in thinking that they're the first person to do a thing. Oh, man. That's hilarious. I want to I wanna make it... I want to make the example, but there's this one comic that was from Durban that was just like... Every time they walked on stage, I would walk out the room, and I just I just couldn't have a real conversation because for me it's ridiculous that this is allowed. But in Durban, a lot of things are different. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's confusing to me. And then still, the person comes with confidence, and I'm trying to explain to them like, okay, but this is your premise is based. Never mind your punchline. 
premise based on racism. It's based on the fact that people of color are less intelligent. And you even talk about your own people. That's like that's so self loathing even. Like it's like sad. It's painful and sad to watch the thing. Also, what is the joke? Is it a joke? What, what what makes it funny? Because I mean, there's many elements. You can do the reveal joke. The whole thing was like I was masturbating the other day, which pissed off the people in the past. You know, you can yeah. do the rev- you can reveal in that thing and put reveals in that or or non secretor. You know, what I'm trying to say you can do all of these things. with Rule of three, uh, some wordplay. Um, rule of three is such a good trick. Sorry, so, rule of three is such a good trick for like so average good, jokes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can say anything, bro. I only go to my room for three things. And whatever the A bed, <laughs> my books, and cocaine. And cocaine, baby! Come on! Yeah. <laughs> uh, I know what you're thinking. Isn't that a bit ironic that you'd go to the room and do cocaine when you need to sleep? I mean, I didn't say I lose the bed for sleeping, motherfucker! <laughs> you can use physicality in voice. What is funny about your joke? It's literally just, just the racism. Yeah. And... The audience that you are pleasing hates you, generally. Well, up here. So I'm saying, who? That's what I love about Joburg, is that race comedy does way less well than it does in Durban. Like, that's why, like, I feel like I, I it, like, perform better in Joburg because I don't have to fit those, like, stereotypes and I don't have to tell those kind of jokes. Whereas yeah. in Durban, like, race jokes are everything. Like, generally. And crowds want to hear that. Like, I heard that. I heard, like, well, like, like, the crowds that you're making fun of, like, want to hear it. Like, and that's, like, Trevor, like, in the brief, like, things I've, you know, interacted with him and stuff like that. And, like, what people have said and stuff. Like, one of the reasons why he hates coming to Durban sometimes is because he knows he has to change a set to suit, you know, the audiences. And he has to tell race-based jokes in those ways. Not that he doesn't tell race-based jokes, but you know what I mean. Mm. Like, he has to change it to that. So... That's what I appreciate. At least up here, like, of course, there's race issues and, you know, people yeah, are going to say. But it's something that we're experiencing. I'm just saying, don't be hack. Yeah. Uh, what's this? Caro Charo. I'll say oh, it. Oh, my God. I really. Yeah, you can. I don't, this bit. Yeah. Caro Charo. Comes like, to if he books you, you're not going to get paid that much anyway. <laughs> comes to Chobot. And then, like, all of us do pretty well. I think so. This was the other day, I think. A few guys were there. Yeah, sales start. Uh, I think uh, Prince was there. Like we did. Oh, good, good lineup. Yeah, yeah, we did. We did. It was nice. Like I think. And then did he Eureka, Yeah, of course it was kind of child, and, like a bunch of a bunch of people came in to see that. You know what I mean? Like I've never seen a space that packed, and like a lot of people came to see kind of child. Like how a did, lot. How like, did they react? They loved it in Joburg. So I was just so shocked, but anyway, I think I'm, I'm guessing that I'd guess that Kalashar has a huge following. Yeah, he does. Well. So um, anyway, like a bunch of people came, but anyway, he. So this is this is the set, right? I think Pravesh Mangal Dev was hosted, and then Eureka goes on does very well. I go on do very well. Prince goes on rips, you know, in Prince fashion. So Hill goes on rips, man. And then Karo Charo comes on and already like, hey, hey, Lannis! It's the excitement of seeing him as well. Yeah. Like, I like it, yeah? I like it, yeah? Joe Book's nice. Sorry for doing the accent, but I just, no, I mean, I'm trying to paint the picture, right? Yeah. I love it, I love it, whatever. And then he says, uh, he says, uh, I love it. I see these white people here. There's 
Indian people, yeah, there's black people, it's so nice that we all in one space. Um, but just one question, if all the black people are here, who's watching our cars? Explosion of laughter! And you know, like, you know, like, usually you always crave a kill, like, to kill someone else. And I'm like, fuck this crap. And if you're there that night, fuck you. I remember we were, we were in but, always near Monte Cassino. I mean, but the thing bitches. is, that joke probably kills everywhere he does it. And how do how do we deal with that? Don't. People love that shit. You guys, people think that people like just because the but, liberal but, media is more popular across the world. Yeah. People forget that there's something called like what is it Fox? Fox, yeah. What about it? It's in America. Yeah, yeah. There's you guys. See, so you see the thing. Who's the people that are coming there? What Larry the Cable Guy, millionaires. Yeah. Carry top as, as much as Carry top is actually a good comic. It's just he kind of went. Yeah, 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 he yeah. sucked out. What made his prop comedy uh, unique? But these guys, these guys are too heck shit. Jeff Dunham's one of the Jeff biggest, Dunham biggest paid to me in the world. the world. So, is there a, an argument to be made for prejudice in comedy, and that it works? No, I mean, well, not with me. Don't make okay. it make it amongst yourselves and what your intentions are. Then, cool, yeah, of course, go fucking do that shit. It works, right? It it fucking yeah. works. So, I mean, like, I'm happy for you. You know what I'm trying to say? But I. I no, I'm happy for you. I'm happy for your your success, for your wealth. But I don't wanna. I don't want you to come and suggest that I'm jealous of you, or I don't want to. I don't have to explain my stance to you because that's that's a, that's a violent thing, bro. I like that you just said that because that's how I feel about so much comedy. It's like, yes, I don't like this. Yes, I disagree with it. You do you, but I'm not jealous of you. I'm not trying to like. I'm doing my thing and like, yeah. So Enjoy like, yourself. Yeah, yeah, like please, please. Please, I, I do. I do hate a little bit that like it's way more successful than anything I'll ever world. do. But hatred, is, the world is a hateful place. You know, like I always, I always disagree with my dad. My dad said it comes easier to the human heart to love. It says hate has to be taught because it comes easier to the human heart. I agree so with you. It's a lie. I agree with you. It, it comes easier to hate. But this might be because we're depressive people. No, but we know this. I'm saying I make an example that nobody had to teach you revenge or how good it feels. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Someone had to teach you to share. Generally, you don't. If your parents don't share with you, because your parents basically they show me sharing. Yeah. And I said, and then then your parents, you know how many times like ah ah ah, share with them, share with them, for years. You know what I mean? Whereas we Good are, we, we are intrinsically selfish. We are intrinsically exactly. Yeah. But then what happens when you knock your table against the chair, right? You knock your table against the chair, start crying. Your mother comes into the room and is like, "What happened?" And then you point at the chair. Ina, Ina, Ina. My mom's like, this, this chair did this shit. This chair did this shit. She hits the chair she for you. fucks up the chair, fucks it up, fucks it up. And you're like, there's a child. Yeah, yeah, I feel good. Fuck the table. <laughs> now whip out your titty, I'm parched. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? making sense, though. You know what I'm trying to yes, say? That I agree with that. You. Nobody had to teach you why that feels good. Revenge. If someone slaps you and you slap him back, you immediately feel good. Yeah, it doesn't feel good to turn the cheek. It doesn't feel good to find other ways to solve the thing. Reacting, our natural thing is to kill and eat. We're animals. And, and if anything fucks with you, you destroy it. You destroy that shit. Yeah. Like, I do. Like, that's... Like, so, I love that you brought this up because I feel very similarly. Like, I, like... You know, I've learned to be a more compassionate, loving human being who understands that the world, you know, isn't, like... A selfish place necessarily, yeah, or yeah. it can't be a selfish place for our humanity to Absolutely. continue. Mm. Like you know, like and personally, I've 
feel better if I am a good person. Yes. But it yes. definitely comes way more natural to me to be a dickhead. Yes. To be selfish, to be shitty. Like, I always have, that's how I explain it in my mind that when I give money to a homeless person, it's for yourself. It's for what it makes me feel. Yeah. When I help a friend move, I'm like, I'm trying to preserve this. Friendship. Friendship. Because you, you're going to need them to help you move at some point. Or I just want them to be in my life when I'm like 60. Sure. When I hang out with Bob Perfect, right? And I get Bob Perfect drinks. I want him to like me because of what him liking me would mean for my ego, for my heart. And the fact that it's someone that I admire so much likes Thank you, but me. Do you know what I'm trying same. to say? Like, it's... And you can go back and forth, but I'm saying, I know yeah. that, okay, it feels good to be able to say... Ah, Bobinho, how are you doing? Merry Christmas. Oh, wait, wait, have a good one. You understand your own selfish, like, reasoning behind your actions. Yes. Yeah. Um, I actually, like, I know it's a dark place to end on, but I think we're going to end there. Oh, well. <laughs> right. Thank you so much for your time, bro. Thank this you for is, having me, though. This you know, crazy conversation, and I've loved every second of it, and I'm scared for... When it comes out. Yeah, for what people are going to think uh, we're listening to this. Uh, please, 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 Please just live for as long as you possibly can. That's all I'm going to yeah. say to the audience. Like, I get it. Life's very difficult and there are ways out. And sometimes it's nice. But also, you never know how good things are going to get. Because for you, look at how dope it's been. For me, oh, look okay. at how dope it's been. Like, since, you know, like, you tried that shit. It's worked out okay. It's worked out pretty okay. I can't wait to actually come back to your podcast in a few, in a year or whatever time. When I'm rich. When I'm rich, bitch! I'm like, oh, you motherfucker! It's gonna take you a little bit longer than a year. You think? Uh, I wonder, dog. I wonder. We'll see. We'll see. Good shot, bro. Thank you, my dog.